Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Hey, what is going on Freedom Church? How are y'all doing this morning? Awesome. Super, super excited. So uh, like Pastor T said, uh, I am, I do have the opportunity to come up here and to share the second part of this sex war series. And uh, I'm super excited to see what God does through the words that he's, you know, given Pastor T, myself, and as we continue to go with this series. But before I get too far into it, I need to give credit where credit is due. And I want to take a moment and just pay Pastor T a little bit of, uh, little bit of honor. You see, uh, he cares for this flock so much He's willing to get up here, and he's willing to do series like this that, let's be honest, they're a little, it's a little bit uncomfortable, right, to sit here and to hear about sex and church. But these are things that, you know, it helps us grow more mature in our faith. And so one of the things um, that I wanted to talk about is before I was uh, in ministry, I actually worked at a pretty high-end design firm for about 14 years in Nashville, and we always had these things that we would use to sort of guide the, the way we did business. And uh, one of the things that we had was uh, these mantras. So one of the mantras that I want to talk about as I think about Pastor T is being selflessly direct. So I'll be honest, that's a little bit businessy. It's a businessy buzzword, but when I view Pastor T in that light, it makes a lot of sense. Now what that means is he is willing to either up here in person, he's willing to tell you something that he knows once you hear it, you might be mad at him. You might not like him in that moment. You may even choose to walk out the doors and not come back. But he loves you so much, he's willing to shelf those possibilities, the, the, the anger that you may have towards him, if, it know, if he knows that it's going to help you in your walk. And I, I am so thankful for that kind of spirit that he's given our pastor. So if we can, let's just give Pastor T a round of applause, please. All right, let's get into it. Sex. Why is this such an uneasy topic to cover, especially when we look at it in church? So if I'm being brutally honest, it's actually kind of fun for me. All right, so I get to stand up here because I have really good light on you. And every time I say sex, make it nice and loud and impactful, I get to see you squirm a little bit. And so it's kind of interesting that that thought process, for some reason, when we hear that word, it just doesn't feel appropriate, right? Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it has a sort of reference for something, a subject that needs to be covered in church. In fact, it almost feels like we're being a little bit dishonoring to God when we think about sex in church, said out loud from the stage. So all of these things go through our mind in an instant when we think about why is today the day that I chose to finally get the courage to invite someone to church? And so you're thinking that as you're slowly trying to kind of edge yourself back down into your seat, but don't do that because they can sense your fear. And we don't want that. We want to, we want to talk about these subjects. We want to meet them head on and we want to go stronger because we are actually meeting them head on and looking at them the way that God looks at them. So, uh, so again, why is that? So have you paused for a moment and taken a step back to ask yourself, why we get so uneasy when we talk about sex in church. 
So I think this is a point that we need to reframe our thoughts about sex, because if you read Genesis 1, we're talking about the beginning of the Bible, like in the beginning, God created. Yeah, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, we see that sex is God's invention. He created it. Let's all be honest. He did a pretty good job at it. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Got a lively crowd today. That's awesome. So let's look at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So where's the embarrassment? Where's the verse in scripture that says we just need to be quiet about this thing called sex? To view it as inappropriate, to not talk about it even in church. I'm not seeing that in Genesis. So we literally just read about the account of creation where God gave Adam and Eve this gift and taught them to embrace this thing. And here's the catch. God knew about it. He actually told them to do it. He wasn't, he, he wasn't unaware of it. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. When it happened, he didn't avert eyes. It didn't scare him to talk about this. He told him about it. Out in the world, we're bombarded by sex on all fronts. It's literally everywhere. We, have, so we see it in magazines. If you're online, it pops up in ads. You're not even clicking on it. It seems super strange, but you're getting hit with it left and right. We have these supercomputers that we all carry around in our pockets, and they have access to the entire world, everything. If your crazy mind can think of it, guarantee in seconds you can find it. And it's likely going to be free. They make it so easy. Anything you want. Billboards. Driving down the road. You see the stuff on there. There used to be one that uh, was on 65. And I was, I was heading into town, the old profession that I used to have. And it was one of the big billboards. And it was more than three quarters covered with a woman's breast, barely covered. Now, do you think... What do you think that does to the, the, the guy or the girl struggling with that porn addiction? Do you think the advertisers even care about that? No, they're not giving it a second thought. In fact, they're banking on it because it makes them money. Sex sells, always has. And so they're hoping that you will go check out the site to see if there's maybe a little bit more of that. They do not care. It's everywhere that we look. And I think this is where we as Christians have probably dropped the ball a little bit. We see these tacks on sexuality and we begin to view sex as bad because we're no longer looking at the in the beginning part of sex. We're beginning to look at what the world has turned it into. The world is taking something beautiful that God created for us and it's twisted into something that plays on the desires of each and every one of us. And it'll grab you and pull you into the trap and you won't even know you're there until it hits you. In the face of these attacks, in the new reality that we now live, in the way that we now view sex, we have elected to just not talk about it, to ignore it, to just pretend like it's not there. That always works really good, doesn't it? So 
In the beginning of 2021, we welcomed my wife and I, our son Asher, into the world. Now, you're thinking beginning of 2021, you've already done the quick maths, you've already realized that he is, in fact, a hashtag COVID baby. So, hey, the world shut down, there wasn't anything to do, had to find something to do, right? Found it. And so, I'm 40, and now I'm not immune to the fact, or I'm not ignorant of the fact that I have a one-year-old crawling around. Normally, you're half my age when you have that, or around about. And so you have these little babies, and I'm not unaware of that stark reality, but I want to make sure that because of that, that I am as fit now in my 40s, if not more, than I was in my 20s. So I started hitting the gym pretty faithfully. When he's ready to throw the ball, I'm going to throw the ball further. When he's ready to wrestle, I'm going to show him how strong his old man really is. I want to be there. I want to be able to do all the dad things, all the crazy stuff with my kid. I don't want him to ever have a thought in his mind like, man, I wish my dad was as active as all these younger ones. I never want that to happen. So again, hit the gym pretty faithfully and started working the plan and it was working. It's great. I'm seeing results physically. My overall strength is improving and and it's working out really well. But a couple of months ago, I hurt my shoulder. And uh, it really tweaked it bad. It was impossible to ignore. I was always dealing with the pain. I couldn't even sit on the couch and watch TV without it hurting. Reaching for simple stuff, turning the wheel on on the truck, it always hurt. I couldn't ignore it. And I was really worried because this was right around the time that our lead pastor, Pastor Terrell, I'm sure many of you remember it, had to deal with his surgery. He actually really tore it bad and had to go into a uh, fairly major. They had to open him up more than they thought they were going to have to to fix his shoulder. And he's still in recovery for that. He was down for a long time. In fact, there were four weeks where he wasn't even on the stage because of all the bracing that he had to wear. So I'm scared. I'm thinking about that. Now, I, I had a choice, right? I had a choice in this moment because I could still use my arm. I could ignore it. I could totally ignore it because pain is weakness leaving the body after all, right? Swole is the goal and size is the prize. Let's go. And I probably would have really messed it up. I likely would have had the same injury that Pastor T had. I would have had long nights. It would cost me a lot of money. There would have been major surgery because here's the thing about that kind of an injury. Those major ones even the recovery hurts. And I would have to deal that with a very long time because it's not a slow process or it's not a fast process. It takes a lot of time. It's very slow. And I would have to deal that. Or on the other side of it, thank God the choice that I made, step back for a moment. I could seek the wisdom of others I could do the research. I could figure out where I went wrong. I could figure out the thing that really threw me off path, the thing that caused all of the pain. I can work and do the exercises to strengthen all of those supporting muscles so that when I really want to get back into it, I'm doing it right. I can improve my form because the form is actually what messed it up. The way that I thought I should be doing it, it's a physical thing, something that anybody can do. I got it down. All I got to do is move the weight. Wrong. If you do that, you're going to hurt yourself. There has to be proper form baked into that. So I started doing all the things, and it worked. I'm getting healthy. Sure, it was frustrating in the moment because I know that I'm not as lifting as much as I know that I'm physically capable of doing. But I'm playing the long game. I'm strengthening myself for the long term so I can be there for my son so I don't have to go through all of the pain. 
Ignorance is always an option, but ignorance will never, ever fix your problem. Because you got two choices. You can either jump in front of it, you can deal with it, you can do the work, you can work to strengthen your heart, like as we're thinking it through the mind of sexuality, you can work to strengthen the hearts of your family, you can be there for your friends, you can do all of the work to make sure that when you're finally ready to go through with this, you have the right mentality, or you can utterly ignore it, but you will have to deal with it. The, The difference is, is that when you have to deal with it, when you're forced to deal with it, you're forced to deal with it when it's already gotten out of your hands. It's now blown up into something much larger than you ever expected. And that's when you get the long nights. That's when you get to spend all the money on the thing that you never expected to spend it on. That's when you have to go through the long, painful recovery when you finally catch it. Those are your two choices. This is true in your health. This is true in your marriage. This is true in your finances. This is true in your business. And yes, it's even true when it comes to sexuality. Surprise, surprise, right? We cannot afford as a church to sit on the sidelines and remain blissfully unaware of the attacks that this world around us is throwing against us. So where do we start? We need to change the way that we think about sex. You see, right thinking leads to right living. So if we go back to the beginning, we need to remember that it was God who first created this gift called sex. Now, when it comes to the attacks that we're we're beginning to see, everything in your life, no matter how you're being attacked, everything in your life, if you keep God as the focus, it makes it very difficult to get off track. If God is the focus in your finances and you're walking faithfully toward God, it makes it really tough to get to the left or the right. If you're walking toward God in your marriage and you're keeping him as your focus, it's going to be very difficult to get off track. This is true for everything. If God is your focus, he keeps your path true. You see, right thinking determines the way that you feel. And the way that you feel determines the way that you act. When you allow your feelings to start leading you down a dark path, your actions are going to be right there behind it, ready to go along for the ride. It's all about how you frame that. This is why it's so important to let God's light be a part of you, to illuminate your path. You're getting into its word, and it becomes everything that you are, and everywhere that you're going, God's light is right there with you, showing the way you need to be going. He doesn't want you to be stuck living a life of shame and guilt. And that's why we have access to a deep sea of wisdom. Wisdom that if we allow it to penetrate who we are, to become part of who we are, to be a part of every thought process that we have in every aspect of life, including sex, it would allow us to experience his will on our life. Where do we get that wisdom? It's right here. God's Word, the Bible, an elegant weapon from a more civilized age, right? So, in fact, King Solomon in the Bible spent a considerable amount of time talking about sex. And he wasn't spending his time saying, no, it's a bad thing, don't do it. No, Solomon, he wasn't a shy guy. So, while he was for sure a flawed man, 
the Bible says that he was incredibly wise. Actually, if we look at 1 Kings 4.29, it says that God gave Solomon wisdom, understanding, and knowledge as vast as the sands on the seashore. It's a lot of sand. That's pretty wise. So let's check out what he says in Proverbs 5.15-23. through 23. Drink water from your own well. Show your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path that he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch him and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. So once again, we are not finding shame or condemnation in God's word. There is nothing here that is intended to break you down regarding sex. In fact, I would say it's very much pro-sex. There's nothing against it here. One thing that we see in this piece of scripture that it makes known how great of a thing this is. Like I said, it's not a bad word. It's not something we need to shy away from. But he does give us a little bit of guidance and he does give us a warning. This gift is to be shared between a husband and a wife. And while this is truly written for a man, it was written to an individual, this is meant for women as well. This goes both ways. No one is exempt from this. Essentially, guys, your eyes are only for your wife. Ladies, your eyes are only for your husband. We must remember that we live in a broken and sinful world. And while, yes, it is true, we are called into this world to spread the gospel. That's what we're all called to do. It's the Great Commission. But we have to remember that we are going into a world that doesn't know God. They don't know his love for them. They don't know his promises. They don't know his instruction. They certainly don't know his direction involving sex in our lives. There are immoral women and men out there, and this world has twisted the intention of sexuality in the minds of many. That's no surprise. We see it everywhere. This is where we need to be guarded against the temptations of those who would seek to take advantage of the situation or draw you away from this beautiful thing that God has for you and your wife or for you and your husband. We have to be ready for those attacks. God wants us to think about sex his way and not the world's way. There's no doubt that sexual strong desire is a strong pull for pretty much everybody. It's there. It's a part of who we are. So both Christians and non-Christians alike, none of us are immune to the pulls of this desire, this thing that it has in our lives. And the church has never been unaware of that fact. Sex has been around since, well, you know, forever. Like we said before, Genesis 1, in the beginning. The beginning of time, sex has always been there. And early on, the church took the approach that we're not going to talk about it. We see what it does to the minds of many. We don't like what we see. So we're going to elect to just not talk about it. 
It was simply something that we're not going to discuss. Now, uh, one of the things that probably helped spur this along was St. Augustine. So in his spiritual autobiography, Confessions, he took the approach that sex was just something that's a part of who we are. It was an instinct, one that needed to be gratified on occasion just to continue the species along, right? And he actually used some really strong language about it. He describes sexual impulses as being negative, something akin to corruption, a disease, a disorder, simply as a hurdle in the way between him and God. And oh, by the way, he goes on forever talking about how bad of a thing this is. These are just a few options here. He sounds like a pretty fun guy to hang around with, right? Doesn't sound like he laughs a whole lot. But to think along this path is to utterly ignore what the Bible says about sex and its impacts into our lives. The ignorance of that has gone a long way to create an uphill battle in this generation and the ones that followed it. This isn't anything new. This isn't something that started back during the sexual revolution. This has been going on for a very long time because it's a weapon and the, and the enemy knows that it works. But making sure that we have that right thinking in place that we discussed earlier will allow us to take the high ground in the fight and make sure that the world doesn't get its grip on us when we're at our weakest because we're going to have something stronger within us to help us fight off those attacks. So if we look at Song of Solomon uh, 4, 11 through 15, now, we can clearly see the passion that's involved with sexual desires. They're alive and well in biblical times, and here's, key, here's the key part, there is no negativity attached to it. And we have to re- remember that part. So let's jump into it. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Your clothes are scented like cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride. A secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices. Henna with nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon. With all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and every other lovely spice. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. No. I'm going to give you a few seconds. If you have glasses on, go ahead and pull those off. Wipe the fog from them. Go ahead. We want you to be able to see what's going on up here. This is incredibly intense. This is a man who is passionately and deeply in love with his wife. He is he's infatuated with her beauty, and he's not ashamed of it. One of Pastor T's um, friends from Israel, Moshe, he was actually on a video during the 20th anniversary. He, he, we use him a lot whenever we do uh, tours over there. One of the things that he says is that if it's in the Bible, it's in, their own, it's in their own purpose. There are no mistakes when it comes to the Bible. He didn't pull any punches here. And I think he's showing us how we need to be speaking and how we need to be viewing this as well when it involve our significant other. Never once in here did he actually talk about procreation. Did you notice that? It's not in there at all. There was never a moment where Solomon stepped back and said, man, that's a woman that can bear me some kids. We are never going to have to hire field hands again. I wonder if our neighbors need help because we're going to be able to have all kinds of kids. So we'll just share them everywhere. That's not in there. No, 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 no. He's talking about his love and his infatuation with his bride. So 
with that in mind, you know, we were talking a whole lot about sex and, you know, let's view it from God's way. Does the Bible actually tell us to stop having sex? It does. It's actually in there, but there's more to it than that. It's not just black and white. It's not as a switch off and on. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 7.5. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. So you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the only time we're supposed to pull away from this is so we can devote ourselves more fully to God for a limited time. And then we come back together. It's not telling us to stop. It's not telling us it's bad. It's saying for a limited time so you can devote yourself more fully to prayer. Pastor T spoke last week about viewing sex almost as an act of worship. Now, I'm sure for many of you, this came as a little bit of a shock. It was a little bit odd. You don't usually see sex and worship kind of merging together very much, certainly not from a church. And so it is a tough thing. So one thing that you're going to find about these sermons is that they all sort of blend into one another. The subjects that one cover are expounded upon as we keep going. And this is, this is a five-week series. We're on week number two. So we're, there's a lot more to unpack with this. So we've been talking through today God's view of sex by diving into what His Word says about it in the Bible and not necessarily what the world has twisted it into and corrupted our mindset on it. This gift, sex is a gift to us, and it's nothing that we should be ashamed of. There's nothing, nothing icky or scandalous about this act, but it has unfortunately been viewed in that light for far too long based on what the attacks the world has created in our own minds. So we've, if, with everything we, we've looked at, if we step away from that lens that the world has put in front of our eyes and the way we view sex in God's light, can sex actually be an act of worship? The answer is, in fact, Yes. The bridge that we use to get there in our mind is by allowing God's Word to transform the way that we think. Because we can't do it on our own. Because we've been programmed by a lot of the negativity out there for far too long. It's not that easy for us. We don't have the power, but God does. I want to look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing, and perfect. Only God's Word can do that within your life. The series is called Sex Wars because we are, in fact, at war. You feel the attacks all around it. We talked about it earlier. No matter where you look, we're being bombarded with sex. And it's not sex from the way that we've been reading about it. It's not this beautiful gift viewed from God's eyes. It's this twisted version that we get to see that's been packaged by the world. 
we've had a lot of fun, you know, as we were preparing for this series. You know, Sex Wars, Star Wars. It's a really easy jump to make. And, you know, we got to actually make a video with lightsabers, and that was, that was fun. It was, you know, even the graphic up here, I had a good time making that because I love Star Wars. But this is incredibly serious. This is a subject that impacts us like no other. Sexuality has a draw on our bodies that isn't matched by many things. There's, a, there's a different things out there that they call it the new drug. Because you can be addicted to it just like anything else. In fact, probably even more. This is a tool that the enemy is going to use to exploit you because he knows it works. There are no new tools under the sun for him to use. And he, he has been using it for generations upon generations because it works. We are all weak to this. The worst thing that we as Christians can do is just to remain quiet and not work to fortify our hearts in the hearts of our families against the attacks that the enemy is sure to make on us because this is an easy weapon to wield and he uses it often. You can, let's all bow our heads. For those joining us online, I, I invite you to do this as well. Uh, we're going through this all together. You are there with a community of believers, and we are joining you as well here in person in this auditorium. Perhaps this, for many of you, is an, op- an awkward subject. Um, maybe it's really tough to confront the things that tempt you on a daily basis. Maybe you've been able to overcome this in the past through the uh, strength of God, and, uh, but you constantly deal with it. You constantly feel like you're always being bombarded on it. He's delivered you from it, but the attacks are still there. Maybe you're a parent who's felt alone in the fight while seeing your child make decisions with their sexuality one way or another. And you feel isolated and alone. It's, it's strained your relationship with your kids You don't know what to do. You don't have any direction and you just feel utterly alone. So this is a really, really tough subject for you to talk about. For others, maybe this is a tough subject because someone has wronged you or taken advantage of you in ways that have made you feel too gross to be loved, too damaged to be looked at favorably by a God who loves you. Brother or sister, I am deeply deeply sorry for that. That is not God's will in your life. And this church family loves you. And more important, you are loved by Jesus. Father, this is something that weighs heavy on the hearts and minds of many people in this room and even those watching online. The world around us is in a constant state of attack and it has corrupted a very beautiful thing that you created. It has turned into something that is difficult to confront for fear, shame, or condemnation. Lord, I pray for a renewal of strength in confronting the attacks that not only we face, but what our families face as well. Lord, I pray for clarity in thought to see sex the way that you intended and not as the world's twisted variation. 
For those who have been hurt by this very personal act, Father, I pray that you pour into them a sense of peace and a sense of overwhelming joy. These attacks can be on such a personal level that it makes it impossible to trust. But Lord, we know that you can restore and turn all situations for your glory, and we claim that today in this house. As we keep praying today, and without anybody looking around, there may be those of you who acknowledge honestly that you don't know God personally, but you want to. You've been going through all the acts for a while, perhaps, and uh, you, you're, you've been doing all the things, but you're coming to that realization today that you're not quite there. You don't have that relationship with Him, but you want it, Lord. If that's you without anyone looking around, I want you to raise your hand. If you're online, I want you to throw that in the comments. Because no one is going through this alone. We're a part of this journey with you. I said before that we're a church family and we are. No one walks this journey alone. But if that's you, I'd like for you to slip your hands up. No one's going to do anything weird. No one's going to approach you. We just want to know who we are praying for. That's it. Not going to do anything strange with your information. Again, if you're online, you have a whole church family there that's going to pray for you and over you if you drop that in the comments as well. Is there anybody else? Amen. All right, so we're going to say this prayer together. Nobody in this house prays alone. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive my sins. Save me, Lord. Make me new. As you have loved me, I choose to love you. I give you my entire life. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you and walk with you and know your goodness and share in your goodness. Thank you for new life. I give mine to you. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's men and women in this house said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give God praise this morning. Y'all grateful for Pastor West this morning? I love this guy with all my heart, and I'm not ashamed to admit that it was he and I that got to clash lightsabers in that promotional video that we made for this whole series. It was absolutely our brainchild, not even a little bit sorry about it. It was so much fun to put together. Guys, if you are here this morning and you enjoyed the message today and you enjoyed being a part of this worship service, because I got to tell you, we loved having y'all be a part of it with us, then we want to keep seeing you. We want to keep hearing from you. And the very best way to do that is with that handy dandy connection card that you guys have in the back of your seat. And if you're in the front row, then just kind of do one of these things right here and apologize to people behind you. I'm sure they won't mind. You guys know where it's at. So uh, the connection card is where you can stay connected with us in a number of ways. If you have prayer requests, we want to pray with you. We want to join and partner with you in prayer for whatever that need. If you would like, if you are interested in serving here at Freedom Church, there's a box to check there and we'll get you connected and we'll start that process. If you have a need for counseling, for anything at all, 
that's the place to let us know so that we can stay connected with you. Also, we have our connection group signups that are coming up super fast. If you have a pulse, you qualify for one of these connection groups, and we would love, I pro, guys, hear me out. I know this sounds like a crazy pitch, but I promise we have a group for you. And if you're not plugged into a connection group, you're missing a lot of what Freedom Church has to offer for a community of people to surround you and love you and lift you up with prayer. Also, here in a second, we're about to take up our offering. I'm going to pray over that in just a moment. Just want to let you guys know about the ways that you can follow through with worship through giving. There's our app. We've got the kiosks outside. You can fill stuff out on a connection card. There are envelopes. If you have a trained courier pigeon, I'm sure we could figure out a way to make that work even, I don't know, however God's leading you. We're going to make that work out. But we love you guys. We're going to say a quick prayer over the offering. One final announcement, then I'll let you guys hit the road. Jesus, we love you so much. You are awesome. We bring our best, but our best isn't even close to what you bless us with to make us more than we could ever possibly be on our own. Father, help us to give. Help us to love. Help us to be obedient. Uh, Help us to be obedient with the abundance that you have blessed us with. Help us to recognize that it is all yours anyway. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth, in the study of the word, in song, as well as in giving, Father. We love you. We thank you. Take these resources, multiply and bless them. Help us to do much good work for the kingdom as a result. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And last but certainly not least, one of the things I love telling my youth, and I'm hoping everybody can get kind of trained on this one too. I love it. But wait, (laughs) you guys nailed it. I love it. Super good. That's right. There is more. This coming Sunday, one week from today, Pastor T will be back bringing more of that word. We're so grateful that he's going to be coming and sharing us with week three of Sex Wars. We'll see that sweet promo playing once again before everything gets kicked off. But guys, we love you. Hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you next Sunday. Take care, everyone.